0: Welcome to Lighting Your Way, a podcast featuring exciting, hilarious, heartbreaking, terrifying and joyful stories of real nurse advocates helping real patients get the best health care. Hi, I'm Nurse Betty Long. Each week, I and one of my nurse colleagues at Guardian Nurses will take you behind the curtain to help you better navigate the healthcare care system when you or a loved one is sick or injured all know about the incredible care provided by our community of exceptional nurses. But what happens when the script is flipped and nurses are the ones who need to be cared for? What happens when nurses become patients? In this final episode of Season 1 of the Lighting Your Way podcast, we talk with three of my amazing colleagues at Guardian Nurses who all went through terrifying and traumatic ordeals when they became receivers of healthcare. care rather than providers. Lori Fitzpatrick, Lindsay Aliano, and Rebecca Zarkowski join me to share their insights on nurses as patients. Welcome, ladies, and thank you for joining me on this, our season one finale. I always wanted to say that. Uh, I'm looking forward to closing out our first podcast season with our conversation uh, with you about nurses as patients. We all certainly know how challenging and overwhelming and sometimes frightening it can be to be a patient in our healthcare system. We've certainly talked about it and shared lots of stories about it during this first season of our podcast. But I think it's important to remind our listeners that nurses get sick too. And we have our own experiences and our own emotions as patients. We're here today to talk about those experiences and those emotions. Since there are three of you, Uh, I'd like to first ask you individually about your own experience, and then later uh, I'll ask all of you a few questions um, just to answer. So I'd like first to start with Rebecca Zarkowski. Rebecca, welcome.
1: Thank you, Betty, and congratulations on uh, a great first podcast season.
0: Thank you, thank (laughs) you, appreciate it. First one down, first one's always the hardest. Very cool, Uh,
1: very exciting.
0: So Rebecca, I think it was eight years ago uh, when you were a patient in the healthcare system. And I think you told me you had been a nurse for 14 years at that point. So based on what you shared about that experience, uh, it sounded like it was a very scary time for you and your family. Could you tell us a little bit about what happened?
1: I sure can.
0: So uh, you kind of mentioned what happens when a
1: nurse becomes a patient. And first let me say, I'm sorry all healthcare providers out there that have to manage nurses' healthcare. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> but, <laughs> so I had um, an acute change to my uh, acute, meaning all of a sudden I started having problems uh, with my GI tract. I had never had any problems uh, my entire life, including three pregnancies, but all of a sudden I started to have some problems and went to a GI, a gastroenterologist, uh, gastrointestinal specialists uh, who did a full workup on me based on my symptoms. It took a better part of honestly 18 months and wow. four specialists wow. to figure out exactly what my diagnosis was. And at the time they said it was something called colonic inertia, which is when your colon stops working. Wow. They don't months. know why it happened. It tends to happen to women mostly between the ages of 25 and 40. Wow. and uh, it is something that requires surgery, and so it was not emergent, thank God. I was able to schedule it. Um, I did my due diligence like I would have my patients do. I, I did my research. I found a leader in uh, that specialty. I got second and third opinions and felt pretty good about my decision, but as we all know, anything can go wrong right. <laughs> in healthcare, and unfortunately, it did, well, did, and, did, you, um,
0: did you do all that research yourself? Or you doing- so
1: I did. And honestly, Betty, as, as we kind of hit on all the points of what happened, from the start, I should have um, brought in some of the experts that I worked with, my colleagues, and asked them to kind of navigate the system for me. Because as it turns out, Um, it doesn't matter if you're a nurse or not. When you have a healthcare issue personally or with someone in your family that you love, it's sometimes very hard to keep perspective and make sound choices based on the information and not on your experiences that you might've had with other patients or stories you've
0: heard um, working in the field. So, and And I think we often say that we try to get Patients in the best position, right, to make Correct. the best choice to make the best decision. But as you just alluded to, things can go wrong. Correct,
1: and it did. <laughs> and my surgery uh, five days after my initial, after I got home from my initial surgery, I ended up back in the hospital, hospital with a perforated bowel uh, and peritonitis. So I had a very bad infection. Um. And I required, uh, several surgeries, uh, in the 18 months that followed.
0: Wow. So it took 18 months to get there.
1: And yes. And
0: then following the surgery, it took you another 18 months to recover. To it- my
1: new normal. Yes. Wow.
0: Wow. That is that's So that's 36 months. Yeah. Three years of your life. Yeah. Were you able to work at that point? Um, I was not able to work full
1: time during the first year when I was having all the surgeries the uh, where I was working at the time they were terrific and they allowed me to work from home when I was able to uh, but the problem was, <clears throat> as you know, abdominal surgeries, the pain uh the rehab, the recovery time, and a lot of wounds so I was unable to work full time for a year wow
0: so so how did uh, being a nurse? affect your approach to getting care I mean you did all your homework right but what were you like how did you feel when you were prepared to go into surgery I was still scared to death
1: I mean I think having had three c-sections you know the the gravity of surgery was not lost on me and the risk and, and understanding every time you go under the knife, it's a serious decision and it shouldn't be taken lightly. And I certainly didn't, I did feel like I, um, <laughs> I felt like I was super prepared okay. going into the initial surgery. Uh, and had I recovered appropriately, I may have been, but I would never expected, uh, embarrassingly, I never expected things to go wrong for me because I'm a nurse and I should know when something isn't right and I should uh, proactively get help and all the things that you think people will do <laughs> that I instruct my patients and advise my patients to do. Uh, as it turns out, when you're sick, uh, you kind of lose sight of, of how to manage your own care. Again, another reason why you know, my biggest regret is not having any of my Colleagues. nurse colleague friends, to help me navigate my own care. Yeah.
0: So let me ask you this when you were back working you know when this whole episode was in the rearview mirror how did your this experience affect your actual delivery of care? Oh huge. So
1: um, actually even in the middle in the midst of managing all of this and I will share with everyone I had uh as a consequence of what happened, I ended up with an ileostomy, which is like a colonoscopy bag in a different location. Um, so there was a whole emotional component as well as managing the, the uh, bag all the time. Mm. So when I went back to work, I was working in the oncology uh, world. And as you can imagine, we have lots of patients who end up with uh, ileostomies and colonostomies and uh, colostomies, sorry, and I heard my patients expressing the same worry and concern on how to manage the appliance and how to mm-hmm. clean and change it and quality of life and what you can eat, what you can eat, something that I always kind of took for granted and assumed that our ostomy and wound nurses were educating my patients appropriately but, as it turns out, you know, they got written documentation like I did, and uh, I wanted to find a way to support my patients better than that. So, I made a video on how to change a bag, and I uh, sent photos and step- by-step um, demonstrations on how to manage how to manage the bag, the appliance. And so I would say, as a result, my care has become uh, more thoughtful. More detail oriented, mm-hmm. and definitely more sensitive to the emotional aspect. That they may not be able to even hear what you're saying to them, or how you're advising them, or teaching them.
0: Right. Did you experience that as a as a patient, like when yes. somebody was trying to explain? Okay. Yeah, so definitely. Trying to exp, explain how to work it the, the first, and, Yeah. I'm sorry.
1: Go ahead. The first weekend I was home from the hospital, my best friend, who is not a nurse, (laughs) was staying with me to help me. And I was struggling so much and hysterical in my room. You could have, if you saw me, you would have died. And she knocked on my door and said, why don't you watch a YouTube video of how to change the bag? (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, I never thought of that. Here I am a nurse. (laughs) And I did. And it changed my life just that one little thing so that's kind of how i advise my patients with lots of things now like you know there's lots of youtube videos that you can watch
0: wow Wow. that's pretty impressive right youtube for, for for patients yes there should be a whole different channel remember in the hospital when there we used to be on the tv um joe's liver and um joe's heart like we would tell patients to watch that channel before they had surgery. <laughs> oh, that, oh, inside the hospital. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm, I'm dating myself. Buddy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. So was there anyone uh, at that point in particular that stood out for you as a uh, memorable? Was there anybody? So that, yes.
1: And it's, in, it's another kind of ironic story is that the one nurse who um, kept calling me every single day was actually the case manager from my insurance vendor, uh, which usually you don't see calls from them until you hit a certain claim amount. And I hit that claim amount, believe me. So they gave me a buzz to make sure I was doing okay. And every day I'd report back all my symptoms. And finally, one day she said to me, I think you need to go to an ER. This is not normal. Your symptoms are not normal. And you need to be seen. Great. So it was late, late, late on a Tuesday. And I said, if I'm not better by the morning, I will go, I promise. And three hours later, I was in the ER by 911.
0: Wow. Good for her. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, right. So, so you have that benchmark to say, no, this is not normal. So yes. Good for her. Okay, great. Um, is there anything else you'd like to include before I move on to Lindsay?
1: Uh, not yet, but I'm sure I will eventually.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Rebecca. So, sure. Lindsay, Lindsay Aliano, welcome aboard uh, to the um, Lighting Your Way podcast. Your first-time guest. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. Yeah, thanks, Lindsay. Um, so, Lindsay, you, um, you're, you're new to Guardian Nurses, but you have been very open uh, about your experiences yes. as, as someone who has mental illness. So I, I wanted yep. uh, you to share, like, what was that journey like for you as a nurse? So
2: having bipolar disorder um, has made my nursing career um, a Easier at times and certainly more difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, when I take care of a patient with any sort of mental illness, I feel like I can um, empathize with them quite a bit. I find that I empathize with their families a lot more. Um, It certainly makes me um, more aware of my patient's feelings and um, I'm able to help them, I think, and understand a little bit better what they're going through. Um, and then on the flip side of it, there are times because of my mental illness, I'm a little bit, um, more sensitive to, um, you know, certain patients, um, diagnosis. And sometimes I can get invested and you know, have a lot of emotion towards that because I just understand their struggle. And, um, you know, I think that unless you are walking in those shoes, you don't, you don't understand it at all. And it's very difficult because it's not tangible. Um, It's something that uh, has been made to be villainized in the movies and social media um, over the years. Um, And only recently has there been a movement to try and understand those with mental illness. And so I feel it's my responsibility um, being a nurse that I'm, you know, that I speak about this and I, and I'm very vocal about it. And I don't think it's something I need to hide Um, And it's important, I think, that um, the more open I am, the more people ask questions. And I think it's a great way to educate people, whether they're patients um, or other nurses or my friends.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I applaud you because I think that's a refreshing attitude, right, and one that we all uh, should should, uh, welcome, right? so uh, like what was your journey like to, so you were a nurse when you were diagnosed what, what tell me about the the process of being diagnosed? Did that affect your approach to getting care because like, you knew right that you'd had a mental uh mental health uh, nursing um, i guess section right so how did you approach that? Yes. <laughs> um
2: well Unfortunately, it took a long time. Um, growing up, I was always depressed and anxious. Um, turns out that uh, 69% of people are misdiagnosed um, the first time around for being bipolar. Um, a lot of the other symptoms tend to be depression, anxiety, um, and then the patients are often medicated for that, um, and the other issues aren't necessarily addressed. Okay. Um, so I had been... Um, on many medications, I'd seen many different doctors um, and therapists over the years. Um, and it wasn't until ultimately that I was put on the wrong medication. Um, and it actually incited mania. Um, so I had a manic episode um, due to the wrong medication and the uh, prescriber just not listening to my symptoms. Um, so that was really frightening. Um, and it gave me a much bigger appreciation for really speaking up and being honest. Um, I think sometimes people don't mention the little details of how they're feeling. And sometimes all of that together
0: adds up to a diagnosis.
2: And uh, that's certainly true for bipolar disorder.
0: So how has that affected, how has your experience and, and your diagnosis, I mean, you're certainly, you know, you're, you're very positive about it and talking about it, but, but how has it affected your outlook as a nurse besides being a proponent of talking about it what else, how else has it impacted your practice?
3: So I think I ask a
2: lot more questions that have to do with uh, mental well being um, or mental wellness. Um, I think it 's important that we con- we do a head to toe assessment, um, and I think often some of those uh, feelings are not talked about, um, and so it 's important to ask your patients those questions and to really see how they're feeling um, and, you know, what their history has been. Because if you don't know all the details, it's easy just to bypass a lot of this. So in my practice, I've made it, when I talk to my patients, I've uh, made it a point to really um, find out how they're doing mentally and how they're holding up. And um, you'd be surprised you just ask that question. So many patients will just unload on you and start crying or, <laughs> Right. You know, they're just nobody really asks those questions. Right. Right. You know, and it's sometimes you just need a good cry.
0: Yeah. Oh, I know. I mean, I, I, I'm sure Rebecca could speak to that, but I've certainly had my share of, of, of ordeals through the healthcare system, and <laughs> no one ever asked how I was feeling. <laughs> I think right, right. right? I, and I think, I think a lot of nurses. Uh, I know that there are some uh, nurses in my career who like they kind of downplayed it like i'm not going to ask uh because i don't think they wanted to take the time so you missed that sure well a
2: lot of people they downplay it a lot of people are scared of it a lot of people make jokes oh my gosh that patient's acting so bipolar or they're so this or they're so that and you know you have to be careful kind of things you're saying and be you know you never know who suffering you know from what diagnosis next to you and so if somebody is acting different or acting manic, then maybe you should address it and talk to them about it instead of just kind of talking about them. Um, it's really important that um, you know your other nurse colleagues or patients know that you're paying attention to that kind of stuff because sometimes it's the small details that could really that you could overlook and then that could be a really big deal for a patient and they could be going into some sort of crisis.
0: Yeah. No, I, um, Rebecca, let me switch over to you. What Lindsay's talking about is, you know, again, we're making a joke that nobody ever asked, but did anybody ever ask how you were feeling? Because I'm sure you had some anxiety, maybe some depression after three years yeah. of dealing with that. Uh, that's funny. No,
1: I think, I think people were scared to like, embarrassed to, to come up to me and discuss it. Like right. like I would be embarrassed to discuss what's going on with me. So I feel like they pretended everything was great.
0: Yeah, well, right. And pretending is not gonna help anybody. Right. Um, Lindsay, was there anybody in your experience that stood out as memorable? Was there a nurse or you know, a doctor uh, perhaps that, that helped you or, or that was the one who did ask how you were feeling?
2: <laughs> um, unfortunately no one that I really worked with um, but I did ultimately find um, a therapist who saved my life and um, she was into this day she is still a very important part of my life and um, she actually took the time and you know dug down and when I cried she cried and um, mm. you know it was just really great to have somebody actually listen to me um, and um, I really needed that. And so she's been a wonderful, wonderful part of my life, and I owe my life to her. So having a practitioner that really will pay attention and listen to you uh, could be life saving.
0: Wow. Good. That's a great segue. Thank you, Lindsay. Um, yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, All right, Lori Fitzpatrick, uh, welcome. You've been on the podcast before. I'm going to switch over, talk a little bit about your story. So welcome aboard again, Lori. Thanks, buddy. Um, You were diagnosed with cancer eight years ago, uh, and you have shared with me that initially you were misdiagnosed, uh, and you had been a nurse, I think you said at that point, for over 20 years. And that was your first time on the other side of the bed Uh, as a patient. So can you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure. Um, Thanks for having
3: me. And uh, thank you, Rebecca and Lindsay, for sharing your incredible stories, too. Um, Nobody ever thinks we get sick. I think we think we don't get sick. Um, And I certainly didn't think that I was capable of getting sick. So um, I had never had any kind of you know, chronic illness or anything like that. I didn't get the colds or the flu. Um, I thought I was pretty healthy. Um, so yeah, about eight years ago, um, my husband and I were uh, come back from a hiking trip to Peru, and um, I thought I had picked up a bug or something. And I uh, was feeling very bloated, couldn't keep anything down, uh, wasn't able to really eat. Um, And this went on for about three months. Um, It went on, you know, with me going to, hey, wait a minute, this isn't okay. I'm not one to just kind of let things happen. But so I did seek out uh, a gastroenterologist uh, locally here and, um, she did some testing and um, everything, of course, came back negative. They thought things, maybe it was my gallbladder and I had gallstones. Um, and then in January, uh, about four months in, we did a MRE, um, which is a type of MRI uh, of the whole GI system. And I just remember the doc coming back and saying, well, we're not sure what it is, but we definitely don't see any cancer. Mm. I had never even thought about the word cancer. I was like, were they looking? Because, Mm. you know, I'm thinking I don't get sick. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Um, But unfortunately, everything still kept where I couldn't keep anything down. It was getting worse. I was losing weight. And so a few months later, uh, I found myself directing my own care, sadly, mm-hmm. um, I think because the doctors were pretty frustrated. They were going in circles. I didn't fit profile. They saw on my MRE there was no cancer. So no one could really figure out um, what was going on. And originally, they thought I had something called gastroparesis, which is where um, the gut is really very slow or, or the stomach is slow in emptying, which they thought was causing the problem. Um, it's normally for patients or people who are diabetic, but you can have it with an unknown reason or cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were thinking about that. And so, okay, we're heading in that direction. Um, and so eventually, uh, one night after I just couldn't bring myself to go back go back to the ER. My poor husband uh so we went to a local hospital because we were going into town um for everything. And I said, I, I just can't I said, let's just go up the street uh to the local hospital and we did and God bless them, they didn't they they agreed to not force me to drink a contrast dye that at the other hospital they were trying to force me to do, even though I told them I wouldn't be able to hold it down, it's not going to show you what you're looking for, thinking that's the case. Uh, So they said, okay, well, fine, we'll do it without the contrast. And here, lo and behold, they see a little obstruction in my small bowel. And, uh, you know, they thought maybe the bowel was twisted, no big deal, you're young, you're healthy, Mm -hmm. Come out later. I see my husband crying, um, uh, you know, on my way back to the room. And I'm like, "Eh, it's cancer, isn't it? (laughs) Mm. And uh, they nodded yes. And I just remember kind of going back out. I was still pretty, pretty drugged up. So that was eight years ago. Um, There's Mm. been many, many surgeries. Uh, I think I'm up to nine. Um, But thank God Uh, There's been surgeries, because that's really what has saved me. Um, The chemotherapy hasn't really been effective at all. Um, And uh, radiation, still, I think people are kind of out on that, but that's had some bad side effects. So I'm here, much to everyone's surprise. I was told eight years ago to get my affairs in order. Um, So um, I really encourage People to advocate for themselves if no one else is there to advocate for you because you do really need to have somebody. Yeah. But when you don't, uh, it's okay to ask questions about, hey, what's this pill? What's this for? Um, it's okay to do that. Um, it's, it's good to educate yourself and, and understand what's going on. This is your body and your journey. And uh, I encourage everybody to understand what's going on, so.
0: Well, that, that that is quite a very compelling story. I, for one, am very glad you're still here, Nurse Fitzpatrick. Yay! Um, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Besides physically, with all those surgeries, how did it impact you and your career, right? Mm-mm. Well, kind of
3: like Rebecca, well, <clears throat> it's, it's been on and off. Um, you know, I think the nurse in us... Uh, I don't know. We don't go down very easily. Um, the first, the first year, um, you know, not not after the diagnostic surgery, um, but the following year, I had a major surgery that just knocked me on my feet for quite a few months. But I still kind of tried to work, and I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> um, and until. <laughs> Other people like my family and friends kind of said, you know, you really need to take this time. Really? My husband pushed. He's like, you really need to take the time to just get better. His sisters were behind me. Um, and I, I'd worked my whole life. So it was very difficult. Um, and I was going to go insane. Otherwise, what am I going to do home all day? Um, so it was difficult, uh, I was doing clinical research, uh, for many years prior to being diagnosed. So I wasn't involved with patients like I was on the floor or in the union and I really missed it. So, uh, when I finally was able to go back, um, I turned towards you. Thank you. And, uh, (laughs) you've allowed me to actually help advocate for, for our, our members and, uh, it, it is certainly, I don't want to say I'm like a pit bull, but it has um, fueled me to some degree um, in, in a way where I feel that patients aren't heard like Lindsay was just saying, or no one's taking the time. And it's not default fault healthcare overall. It, it's just, it is what our system is. And I, we just need to slow down and see the person there's somebody on the other side they're not a diagnosis they're not the problem in room 402 whatever mm. it's already a hard job for us but if we just kind of took a minute and imagined that that person is either your mom or your sister or god forbid yourself i just really think it wouldn't en- it really would enhance that person's experience with health care and and improve our nursing care as well so oh. um, no doubt.
0: I think, yeah. I, no doubt. I, I think that's, you know, partly what we what we experience at Guardian Nurses is not only mm-hmm. to improve patients' experience with the healthcare yep. system, but also yep. hopefully their treatment and diagnosis yes. and, yes. you know, get them through a little quicker, you know, holding their hands a little bit more. Yes, um, yes. Which, you know, which we all want, whether we're a nurse or whether we're not a nurse. Right. I think that everybody right. deserves that. Right. Um, Laura, was there anyone in particular, as I've asked Rebecca and Lindsay, was there anyone in particular that stood out to you as memorable during that whole um, experience?
3: There is. Um, she's actually become a really very good friend of mine. Um, I had m- my major surgeries outside of the Philadelphia area, um, and my last surgery there, actually, I had been there almost like two weeks, um, And my husband had come back home to take care of things and to work. So I was really missing my family, my dogs. And um, I I had asked for pet therapy. (laughs) As everybody knows, I'm a big dog person um, to kind of try and help cheer me up, get me out of my funk. And um, one of the respiratory managers um, out there, she also volunteers as a pet therapist, and she brings her dog in to, to visit a lot of the patients. Um, so for the rest of the time while I was there, um, and I guess it was about another four or five days or so, she would bring her dog in to see me. Um, <laughs> and then even on her lunch breaks, not that she got much or early in the morning before she'd start work, she'd come in, she'd sit and she'd chit chat with me. And we really got a chance to know each other in just those that short period of time She's had cancer too. She twice, matter of fact. Uh, I think it was ovarian and colorectal. She she's had. So she she's had a tough two, and she really just got it. Um, and so we've become really close friends. And there hasn't been one day since we've met in the hospital where we either don't talk or text um, with each other. So she means the world to me, and she certainly has been one of the healthcare bright spots for me.
0: Oh, that's good to know. That's good to know. And her dogs? Her dog is? And her
3: dog, Tegan, yes. (laughs) 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 Which I still get pictures of. (laughs) Has she met your dogs? She has not. She was out here last year in the middle of the pandemic, uh, and I was supposed to go, but I was sick um, for a bit and ended up we couldn't get together. So Uh she has not had a chance to meet my monsters.
0: (laughs) I'm glad you called them monsters, not me. <laughs> um, um, thank you, Lori. So so Rebecca and Lindsay, um, let's bring you back in um, and Lori. So one of the things that I always like to ask um, our guests is, you know, if if there was one thing that you would tell a nurse, another nurse, um, you know, if she's experiencing, she or he's experiencing symptoms or you know, doubting what's going on or whatever, right, is, is afraid to, to go down that road because they know what might be at the end of that road. What mm-hmm. one piece of advice would you offer that person? Rebecca, let's start with you.
1: Ask for help. Have mm-hmm. someone else be your advocate. Doesn't matter if you're in healthcare. When it, it's happening to you, it's, you're not an expert and that's okay. You know, you can ask for help. It doesn't make you weak. (laughs) And in the end, it would probably, uh, it'll probably help you out a whole lot.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. I think I heard that pretty clearly through all three of stories. Lindsay, how about you? Do you have uh, a piece of advice that you'd like to share? Uh, My one piece of advice would be, to just don't ignore any
2: symptoms that you're feeling. A lot of times nurses, I think, choose to ignore things because they know more than everybody else, um, <laughs> medically speaking. Right. So they're often scared. Um, but I think it's really important that to listen to yourself. And just like you would tell somebody else to go and get something checked out, it's important that you follow your own advice
0: and listen to your body. That's great. Good advice. Good advice. Um, Nurse Fitzpatrick? Uh, yeah i, like
3: I yeah sorry betty i I just totally agree with what Lindsay and Rebecca have said i mean we i think we we minimize as nurses because we 're so busy taking care of other people what 's going on for us um physically or mentally, um, and we tell other people, hey, you really need to do this because we want to make sure that our loved ones and our friends are are well cared for. Um, But we really need to advocate for ourselves. But with that in mind, what Rebecca said, I can't echo enough. I got in my way because nobody was really taking the bull by the horns. I was so sick, and we were just dancing in circles um, and, you know, love my family, love my husband, but I don't think they understood what was going on either and didn't know enough to ask questions, uh, about what was going on or whether this was good for me or not good for me. You really need to have someone, uh, advocate on your behalf. Um, because that's it's sad to say squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. Sad to say so. Yeah.
0: But, but I think your point about we're used to taking care of other people. It's very hard for most mm-hmm. nurses I know mm-hmm. to accept help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, Lindsay's point about don't ignore it and Rebecca mm-hmm. get an advocate. And I think that we mm-hmm. all need to heed all of your stories and your and your suggestions and just pay attention and maybe be a little bit more compassionate for ourselves. Right? Mm-hmm. And allow allow ourselves to get the help and to receive the help when we need it right you can't help anybody if you're not here right don't they say put your mask on in a plane before you put they it do mask? Right. that's right
3: yes and that's for a reason that's uh, right. we don't
0: need you knocked over because you're hypoxic <laughs> sorry without any oxygen so don't yeah. be using those big words come on sorry oh geez there <laughs> you go sorry right. um Uh, Ladies, I appreciate so much uh, your willingness to share your stories and to, you know, share a little bit about the insight that you learned uh, through your own experiences in the healthcare. And I am all very grateful to you for being here, uh, for being part of Guardian Nurses, uh, and for your willingness to come onto the podcast. So thank all of you for for all of that.
3: Thank Thank you, Betty.
0: Betty. Thank you, Betty. And And we're uh, looking forward to season two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Me too. All right. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, everybody.
3: Take Bye. care.
0: Bye-bye. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you have any questions that you would like us to address in a future episode, please email us at podcast at guardian That email again is podcast at guardian We would love to hear from you. I want to say thanks to all of our guests who have contributed their stories, their insights, and their good energy to this first season of the Lighting Your Way podcast. I had a blast, and I hope you enjoyed yourselves too, and maybe learned something along the way. We will be back in the fall of 2021 with new episodes to light your way through the healthcare system. Have a wonderful summer, and thank you, as always, for listening.